0: All right, we're going to get started. So welcome everyone to our Ignite Broker Connect. This is our second call. So we've just started these and we want to bring value to our wholesale channel and continue to make sure that you guys are staying abreast of everything that's changing uh, on the financial side of things and bringing great content. So again, want to introduce Al. He's our president of our wholesale channel. We love Al. And, uh, Al is always here to make sure that you guys uh, get the highest level of service. In addition, Holly Matson, uh, she's our vice president and Holly, why don't you introduce Barry real quick? And then, uh, I'll probably add a couple things because I've only known Barry 35 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I need- my husband, I might add, go ahead. <laughs> Longer than your husband. Hey, before I introduce Barry, um, I think Al wanted to say a few words to our partners on the call.
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you, uh, Holly. And thank you, Sarah, for uh, leading the podcast for us. We're excited to hold the second one. Uh, We had a great uh, turnout to our first podcast uh, where we spent some time behind the scenes with uh, uh, Fairway CEO Steve Jacobson. So uh, we hope that this one continues the, the value add as as we dig into the you know, the, our, our industry a little bit and, and see what's going on we're on the verge of a new cycle um lots of lots of uh changes for us all around so uh excited to have partners like uh like Barry and and you know some of the future guests that we'll have on the podcast to to share some of that value with you. Um you know we couldn't do this without our broker partners um we're very excited Uh, You know what's going on in in the year 2021. Uh, We've carried on this this unbelievable activity from 2020, and and we're riding this wave into 21. Uh, And and we're so fortunate and grateful, you know, for the relationships that make us who we are. And and, excited to be doing some new things for our broker partners, things like the podcast. Uh, We got an exciting roadmap of of technology, as we alluded to last last podcast with Steve. Uh, Big plans for the wholesale channel. So. Um, you know, as we move forward, this is all about you. This is all about making you better in your markets, giving you some insight to what's going on, you know, and, and being a a person of uh that that's sought after as is, is a person of value, a person of knowledge. So with that, Holly, uh, let's, let's get this thing moving and and introduce our our guest today.
1: I am so excited about our guest today, and I don't think there's many people on the call that have, don't know who Barry Habib is, but I'll go through the accolades anyway. Barry is an Amazon number one best-selling author for his book, Money in the Streets. He frequently appears on CNBC and Fox. He's the CEO of MBS Highway, which many of us subscribe to, and if you don't, I encourage you to do so. Um, he's a 2019 Mortgage Professional of the Year by National Mortgage Professional Magazine. He's named to the esteemed mortgage global 100 list for 2021 by mortgage professional. And for many years, Barry, Barry has been a wonderful friend of fairway. So I'm very excited to have him talk to our group today. Thank you so much, Barry, for being with us.
3: Well, thanks Holly. Appreciate that. So team, um, great to be with all of you. Hope that all of you are well. And those of you that celebrated mother's day, hope it was wonderful for you this uh this past weekend it's not a more important job out there so congratulations to all of you. Uh, we have a we have a really interesting market don't we you Now we have interest rates that I think are going to move up a little bit. I'll tell you about why and tell you the strategy we could use. The purchase side of things is is a little bit uh, a, a little bit kooky. We, we know how difficult it is to participate for a lot of buyers in this because, you don't buy a home today. You win the home. Realtors need your help. Uh, buyers need your guidance. They need your help. This is a this is a situation that provides you with a lot of opportunity. So while there's challenges out there, uh, your expertise is really what's valuable here. And you know, people ask me all the time because they know I'm involved in the markets, and you know, I get questions all the time. So Barry, how do you feel about Ethereum or Bitcoin or gold or, or is the stock market going or is rates going? And they're like, okay, so what's the best investment? And I'll tell you what the best investment is. The best investment is in your brain, that's it. That is the very best investment that you can make. So I applaud all of you for being on this call today because what you're really doing is you're really making that investment of time, which is very valuable in your brain. You're making that investment in yourself. And the best tool that you can use for what we do really is your words and the articulation of those. I was always fanatical about trying to be articulate and to try and take things that were um, sometimes difficult for people to understand and make them easy because that's where we connected. That's where people can relate to to what I was trying to show them, and they felt comfortable many times enough to work with me. So, you know, Holly gave you some kind words about me, but you know, I'm just like you. I was a mortgage professional for 21 years, did over two billion dollars in personal production. So I know what it's like, I respect you guys so much. I know what it's like to start every month at zero. I know what it's like for realtors to be demanding of you. I know what it's like to try and explain things to customers and have to do it over and over again. So I really invested a lot of time in trying to be effective with my words. And and, and that's really the key is to have an effective way to communicate. So if we are effective, you're going to do more business, and the only variable that you have there is time. I mean, you, you can it, it, there's no limit to what you can do, except for what time restricts you to. So why why can't we you know do uh, uh, you know a hundred million dollars a month in transactions individually, because we run out of time. So if we had unlimited time, we could theoretically do an unlimited amount. So because time is restricted, uh, restricting us, we have to really be effective. And the best way to be effective is to be really good on your scripts and be really good on your communication so uh, one of the best things that i used to do with the salespeople that i had my own my own my own mortgage company and i did it with myself and i i've done it here at mbs highway i did it when i had mortgage market guide was record the phone conversations and then it's it's kind of painful to listen to to those phone conversations because you wouldn't believe the crap that comes out of our mouths sometimes but Um, you can really see where you won the customer's confidence. You can't see it while you're on the phone, you know, you can't, because you're in the heat of the moment. But when you sit back, you can see where you either won their confidence or when you uh, were trying to communicate and failed to get that point across, you could see where you were, asked a question you really didn't answer it in the best possible way. So this is a learning process. I'd really suggest it for individuals, but also for managers with their sales team. I think it it accelerates you through that curve and makes you a lot more effective. And I think that's a key word today because in the market that we're in, you're going to see rates rise um, over the summer. And you're also going to see the transactions that are out there while it's a hot market become even more competitive. You know. Uh, Remember when we give a realtor a lead for a buyer and they'd be all giddy? Now you give them a lead for a buyer, like, what am I gonna do with this? You know, what what am I gonna find them? And you know, how am I gonna, it's obviously they're grateful, but it's not as it was in the past. But here's the real important thing is that realtors really, really need your help because they don't understand this market and they don't understand how to answer some of the real deep questions that your customer needs. And that's what we're gonna do today. So I'm gonna ask you this, I'm gonna ask you to, Think about taking some notes. I think it'll benefit you greatly. And I'm gonna also say that you know this is for your benefit, not mine, doesn't matter to me, but you probably would be wise to put your phone aside, stop with your emails right now. I'm probably more easily distracted than you guys are. I'm very easily, I'm very in tune with everything that's going on, I'm very sensitive. But there are times where you need to work on you work on your business instead of working in your business is a big difference. This is your time. This is time for you to work on your business so that you can get better. The time we're gonna to spend today is not is not the time spent, it's time invested and you're already taking out the time to be on this. So you might as well be fully engaged because I promise you're gonna get a lot out of it. So here we go. I'm gonna share my screen and Holly, I see you've already been terrific in allowing me to already do that without having to ask for you to unleash that. So let's talk about winning right now in a changing market. We've got hot housing, we've got rising rates. Um, And what we want to understand, first of all, is so what, what is going on here? We've got a lot of debt that we've taken on and all debt does is take a future purchase and bring it forward. And this is a really important concept. So when you take a future purchase and you bring it forward, you know, instead of saving up for something and buying it, you're one instant gratification. I want it now. So I'm not going to wait to save up for it. I'm going to use credit, buy it now, and then pay it off plus interest. So that takes a lot of activity upfront, but then there's something left behind and that's the payments. The payments to service that debt cause a slowdown or a drag. So let me give you a classic example of what has happened in the past year. So the CARES Act one and two, which was March and April, 2020, that equaled $2.8 trillion. It's a lot of debt, but what did it do? Create a lot of economic activity. However, by October, it wore off. If you look at the gross domestic product in the United States in 2020, it was 4.3%. But in the fourth quarter, it was just 4 tenths of a percent. So that means the first nine months had 3.9% GDP, but then by October, the effect of all that stimulus, that $2.8 trillion, it was already gone. The economy was puttering along at 0.4% in the fourth quarter. So then what do we do? Well, more stimulus. So in December, we did 900 billion. In March of 2021, we did another 1.9 trillion. These are big numbers. So 2.8 trillion, again, same number. And we expect similar results. We think by the fourth quarter sometime, or maybe early into 2022, that you will start to see the effects of this wear off. So while we've got a lot of stimulus today creating inflation, we think it wears off. Now, the reason why inflation is so important is because inflation drives interest rates. Now, the payments on the debt will slow growth. Right now, our debt in the United States is an amazing $30 trillion, just an incredible number. And just 1 trillion, we're kind of immune to it, but $1 trillion, to give you an example of how much a trillion dollars is, if I say, okay, if you started spending a million dollars a day, every single day, seven days a week, how long would it take for you to hit a trillion? Well, it would take you 2,700 years. You would have had to have started 700 BC, spending a million dollars a day, every single day, until today, and you still would not hit $1 trillion. Well, we're 30 trillion in debt, which is gonna slow things down because of the debt service, as I explained to you. You know, one example of that, that debt service that, that's out there, and I'll just talk with you for a second, is an example of someone who was purchasing a car. So if they wanna buy a nice car and they go and borrow the money, they buy the car. So now they've got this nice car that they purchased. When they make the purchase, it creates economic activity. The manufacturer, the dealer, the car salespeople they all made money. So they take that, they spend it, it creates a flurry of economic activity. But then after that wears off, what's left? That family now has a thousand dollar a month bill for the next five years, which means that's less for them to have activity. So what does debt do? This is a really important concept. Creates an immediate rush of economic activity and then slows it down. So debt over time slows economic activity. Economic activity slows price gains or inflation. Lower inflation causes lower interest rates and I'll explain that to you. And this is such an important concept because you're all in the mortgage business, but I bet you if you asked a bunch of people in the mortgage business, what drives interest rates? It's inflation. And they don't really quite understand that. That's like every single customer of yours has asked you, you know, are rates gonna go up or down? Should I lock, should I flow up? Well, what drives interest rates? You'll know more than 99.9% of your competitors if you understand that it's inflation. So here's an example of debt and its effect on economic growth. So when debt in the United States, if we look back to 1950, if you look at this pink line, as debt goes down, that means there's more money out there to create economic activity. As economic activity has more money, that creates more inflation. More inflation causes interest rates to rise, and here you have interest rates. So you've got debt declines in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, causes rates to rise during that period. In the 80s, as we start increasing our debt, it slows economic activity, slows inflation, and interest rates decline. And you could see it's an exact mirror of each other from the 1950s to today. That's not just the United States, it's Germany, it's China, it's France, same thing. It's Japan, same thing. It's the UK, same thing. It's Italy, same thing. So we know that this, this is a law of economics that has lasted everywhere in the world, every period in time. So if we understand this, that helps us forecast interest rates because we know that rates are gonna remain attractive, but it's a rocky road ahead for interest rates. Why? Because we expect to see a little bit of inflation. You know, you've got the additional spending under this administration also has to increase the supply of treasuries to be sold. So more treasuries to be sold, you have to incent them with a little bit of higher rate. And because of that, you could see interest rates move up a little bit. Rates are likely to bump higher, but I think they're gonna resume a downtrend. Once this all wears off, once we head into 2022, we should see the economy slow. We should see interest rates backtrack. And as we get into sometime in 2022 or 2023, I think that we slow down so much that we get close to a recession and during, or maybe we get recession like conditions. So I think you will see lower interest rates, probably see the 10 year treasury near 1% again, or even lower and mortgage rates under 3% again. So all these transactions you're doing today, you're planting tomorrow's refinances. And just like when i made some calls, as you probably know, back in 2019, 2018, saying that we were gonna have a recession in early 2020, and we did in January, 2020, before the lockdowns, which came in March of 2020. The strategies that I was telling all you guys was, don't pay points, don't pay upfront MI, pay monthly MI. And put yourself in a position, not where you're looking for the lowest rate, but exchange lower fees for a higher rate because typically the recoupment period, the break even period is about five years, four and a half, five years. And I said, you're not gonna have that mortgage for that long because you're gonna have this refinance opportunity. Well, I think the same circumstances are set up right now. I think where rates are going to be over the summer, rates are probably now through the summer, these are setting up for loans that you're gonna be refinancing in a year or two after that. So same strategy, I would not do upfront MI, I would do monthly MI even though the monthly payments are higher, you save the cost of the upfront MI, which would take about a four year break even. I would also not pay points because that four or five year break even, you won't have the mortgage that long. And while everybody else is killing each other for the lowest rate, you should strategize for lower fees in exchange for a higher rate. And I'm gonna talk more about that as well. So why does inflation cause mortgage rates to rise or fall? Let's think about it. Example, you lent money on a mortgage. And now you're getting payments. You're getting $2,000 a month in interest. And you use it to buy a shopping list of goods and services. So you got your shopping list of goods and services. And this month you use that $2,000 gets everything on the list. Next month, same thing, month after same thing. But over time, you realize that something changes. Over time, inflation means, makes things cost a little bit more. And now you can't get everything on the list. So you have to leave some things off that list. So what's happening? Inflation is eroding the buying power of the fixed payment that you receive as if you lent money on a mortgage. So if inflation is rising or it's perceived to be rising, then what do you have to do to protect yourself on the future mortgages that you're gonna do? Because you can't do anything about the mortgages you already lent money on, right? If it's a fixed rate, that's too late. But what you're gonna say is, is that, hey, wait a minute. If my buying power is gonna be eroded more rapidly, what am I gonna do? I've got to start off at a higher perch to offset the more rapid erosion. And the only way you start off at a higher perch is you got to charge a higher rate that will help you offset the rate of of inflation or that erosion of the buying power. That's why when inflation rises or is perceived to rise, interest rates will move higher because investors need to be compensated for that more rapid erosion of their buying power. And how do we measure inflation? Well, one of the reports that we got today is the consumer price index. And the consumer price index measures the change in prices on a year-over-year basis, but it also does it on a month-over-month basis. Now, you might've heard that there's a headline rate and then there's a core rate of inflation too. So what's the core rate of inflation? It strips out food and energy. And a lot of people who don't understand it, they'll joke about, ah, that's ridiculous. I need food, I need energy, right? I need gasoline. Why would you strip that out? Well, because when the Fed looks at this, the Fed wants to look at a number where it may have influence. So the Fed can't influence if a a tanker gets stuck in the Suez Canal. They can't influence if the colonial pipeline gets hacked and it causes gasoline prices to go up. They can't influence that. They can't influence the weather, but what they can influence with monetary policy are things in the core section of CPI. That's why they strip out food and energy. So really it makes sense. The core rate of inflation in the United States was 1.6% year over year. And the way that was made up was it was made up based upon the previous 12 months, which was April of 2020 and going into March of 2021. But today we got the most recent number which was April of 2021. So when you get today's number of April, 2021, it removes, it eliminates April of 2020. Now April of 2020 was negative four-tenths. We just got a blockbuster inflation number of plus nine-tenths of a percent, the biggest number that we've seen in many years for one month, one month. That means the inflation rate today, year over year is 3%. There's a little rounding in there. So it's 3% year over year. This was reported today for the month of April. Now that's one of the reasons why you saw interest rates get a little worse today was because of this inflation number. But if we take it to next month and we start to take a look at June, when we get to June, we're gonna get the month of May, 2021, which will replace May of 2020. So if we assume just three tenths, or we just got, we got nine tenths this time. Well, let's just assume only three tenths. We're gonna replace this number and we're going to replace it with this number plus three tenths that's a four tenths increase you're going to see inflation up 3.4 percent and then if you go and you take it out to the summer you're going to be looking at three and a half percent inflation now you could offer a three percent mortgage when the inflation rate's 1.6 i don't think you're going to be a three percent mortgage rate when the inflation is three and a half i just don't see that happening now you know remember the rama song it's a cruel cruel summer okay i don't know if it's going to be cruel but we certainly we'll be be seeing higher interest rates. So in April, we got a reading for the month of March of 2021 and that showed 1.6% inflation, that was mild, but now it's hot at 3%. It's gonna get hotter and hotter. So the summer months, it's gonna be hot, but then by the fall, you will start to see it unwind a little bit and you'll start to see it back off as the effects of the stimulus start to kind of cool off. But what's our strategy now? Look, you're going to have people out there that are a butthurt that they didn't refi and they didn't get that rate under three. And now I'm going to wait till it comes back under three, right? I mean, how many people are like that, right? It's a pain in the butt. It's a mistake to wait because of a couple of reasons. I'm going to show you one in just a moment, but rates are going to go up. And how about that person who's looking to buy the home who's saying that, you know, I don't want to bid a few thousand dollars more and I'll keep shopping. Well, If you keep shopping, two things are gonna happen. One, the price is gonna go up and I'll show you why of the house. Two, interest rates are gonna go up. So you're gonna get a double whammy here, which if you show this to a real estate agent and you show it to a customer, you will help them make a more wise decision to spend a few more dollars today because it will save you money in the long run. Now, remember I told you about people that are butthurt because they didn't get that lower rate. So let's just pick a rate, let's just say, Today you can get three and a quarter, okay? I don't know exactly where your rate is, but I think it's a little bit less than that, but let's just say it's three and a quarter, right? But the customer says, no, I wanna wait for a rate below three, yeah. Okay, well, let's just say you're right. It's gonna get below three, but it takes some time to get there. And this is a tool in MBS Highway, that can show you, you if it takes 12 months to get there for rates to drop three eighths of a percent, then we'll show you that it's gonna take you four years plus to recover. You know, it's actually going to take you 53 months. It's four and a half years to recover that amount. So when the customer sees that, but nobody's telling them this, okay, this is a crazy thing. None of your competitors out there are articulating this to the customer in a way that the customer says, duh, now I get it. I should take three and a quarter today because I will save so much money on my loan today based upon the 4% rate that I have currently, that even if the rate does drop to two and three quarters or two and seven eighths, it's going to take me four and a half years to make up the money I could have started saving today. And what if it doesn't drop to that? Then I would have never saved all that money. So you have to be able to articulate this to them. Now, sometimes it's hard because the Fed's at zero and all they hear is from, oh, well, we're going to keep rates at zero. You know, we're So the feds at zero, how could mortgage rates go up? Well, the fed funds rate is different than mortgage rates. This shows you for the past 40 years, the red line, which is mortgage rates, and the blue line, which is the fed funds rate, and they don't always move the same way. Now over 40 years, they've trended similarly to economic circumstances, but how many times does the fed funds rate go up, mortgage rates go down? Fed funds rate here goes up, mortgage rates go down. Fed funds rate goes down, mortgage rates go up over and over and over and over and over but now the Fed's at zero. Well, okay, we've been there before. From 2009 to 2016, the Fed was at zero, but mortgage rates did not stay the same. Let's take a closer look and see what happened. Here, it went from four and an eighth to five and an eighth in four months. In a five-month period, it went from three and a half to four and three quarters. And when I first started talking about this once again and said we're in an uptrend, even with the Fed at zero, I feel that although we've moved up close to a half a percent, there's like another half a percent to go. I think that over the summer, you're more than likely gonna be in that three and a half, three and three quarters, three and seven eighths range of 30 year fixed rate mortgages with zero points. This is just where I see it going at the present time. So I don't know how we can stay below three and a half percent when the inflation rate's gonna be three and a half percent. I just don't see it coming. And as I mentioned, I made a lot of these calls before and you you could look them up everywhere. It was the same modeling. So I'm bringing you behind the scenes here, showing you exactly what I'm looking at and why we're looking at these things in a way that has helped us correctly forecast the direction of rates. And, you know, it's not just in the mortgage industry. It's been just in the general media. I mean, on CNBC and Fox, all the networks I went on and I went on with this crazy call because I was like one of the only ones who said the 10 year is going to go to 1%. I remember Rob Chrisman made fun of me because he said that'll never happen. And he said, Barry, you're wrong. There's no way that'll ever happen. I don't know what you're thinking. Well, it did. And then once it did, all the networks brought me back. And then Fox brought me back. And I caught this clip because it's nice. Fox, And you could pull up the clip. Fox asked me, OK, so Barry, where do you see? You you were right. It went to 1%. Now, where does it go? I said, well, I think it's going to drop to a half a percent. And if you pull up the clip, it's almost hysterical because they like laughed at me. And one guy says, oh, I want to debate you on that. That'll never happen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, pull up. Just pull it up. The all time closing low on the US 10 year treasury, it's not near this number. It is exactly 0.5%. It is the exact level that we called as the all time low. So, when I'm telling you we see interest rates moving up over the summer, and I'm telling you that into 2022, 2023, we see recession like conditions, and you're going to refinance these loans, the models that we're using are accurate and they work. And while it's not a guarantee, we feel pretty comfortable with those calls. Now, what do you do in the meanwhile? What do you do if interest rates go up? Stop doing refinancing? Well, refi's are already down like 18% year over year. And over the summer, they're gonna be down like 30 or 40%. There's a lot of forecasts saying they're gonna be down by 50 or 60%. So what do you do? Do debt consolidation loans. How do you refinance when interest rates are higher? Let me show you some magic here. So let's say say somebody's got a rate of three percent and they bought their home for five hundred thousand and it was an ADL TV. So I don't even have the benefit of this being above ADL TV, where maybe I could save them MI thanks to the great appreciation. So they're not paying MI. They've got a great rate of three percent. And let's get crazy and let's say that my rate today goes to four percent. Now their home's appreciated a little bit. They've through normal amortization paid that loan down a little bit. So let's get crazier. Let's just say they're sitting with three percent, no MI and I wanna refinance them, but my rates at 4% and my closing costs are 4,000 bucks. Now, who in their right mind is gonna do this, right? That's because the monthly payment goes up by 116 bucks a month and it's gonna cost them $4,000. So no one's going to do that transaction. So when we take a look at this, how how do we help that customer? How do we actually do this? We call that customer up and we ask one very simple question and that question is, do you have any debt? And just like their asset managers out there, you want to be their debt manager. And they tell you, yeah, I got 20,000 in credit card. I've got a little bit of Best Buy, a little bit with Macy's. I got one car loan. It's a Chevy. It's modest. It's, you know, $29,000 car loan. So these are small numbers compared to what a lot of people have. But even with these small numbers, what we recognize is that this level of debt can be really helped because when we put this into a calculation, we see, okay, you owe 373. If we take $4,000 in closing costs, we build it into the loan, it's a 377 loan. But when you bought the home, we know it was an 80 LTV. Today, because of appreciation and amortization, it's a 60. And it'd be real easy to take you to a cash out 75. And the difference between the 60 LTV you're at today and the cash out 75 is this white space, which we convert into dollars and it's $91,000. So what if I used some of this 91,000 to pay off some debt, increase the loan amount, what would that do to my payment? And if you paid off all these things, you would now be saving almost $1,800 a month. And you're definitely gonna get the customer's attention there because while all their indebtedness might have cost them $5,100 before, now it would be $3,400. So you're gonna save them a lot of money and this is going to be very exciting for them, but it gets better because what you can then do is you can really help them and say, Mr. Miss Client, your ratios are low. Look at your low ratios. You have a great rate. You weren't thinking about refinancing. You were not struggling making the payments. Sure, you could take the $1,700, dollars a month and pocket it, spend it, whatever you want to do. But what if we went to do something here that potentially could change your life? What if we either built this into your new mortgage, increase the payment by this much for all principal, so reduce the term, that'd probably reduce the rate quite a bit too, or you can voluntarily pay it. If you voluntarily made this payment, what would happen if you applied it towards principal? Remember, this is free money, right? You're paying $5,100 a month right now. I'm saying take the same $5,100, just structure it differently with me. And if you did that, your new mortgage term is 11 years and 11 months. You'd save 15 years of payments. See, instead of having 324 months of payments remaining, you'd have 143. I'm going to save you 181 payments of $5,169 a month. Now, how many of your customers have a great retirement plan? All good. Yeah, how many How many loans you deal with? A customer? Oh yeah, don't worry, my retirement's all set. It's great, right? Not a lot of them this is the best retirement plan in the world because now they'd have an extra $5,100 a month, every month for 15 years, starting 11 years and 11 months from now. This This is something that will get your customers' attention. And by the way, what's changed? It's the exact same payment they're making now, you just did it smarter. Now, you don't have to wait 11 years and 11 months. Even after just five years, if they hang up the phone with me and don't do anything, they will guarantee amortize $48,000. But if they do what I'm saying in just five years, they will guarantee amortize about 160,000. So this gives them a guaranteed and tax-free mind you, $111,000 in just five years. How many plans out there are gonna give you a guaranteed $111,000? Doesn't matter what Bitcoin does, what the Dow does, doesn't matter what the S&P does. Guaranteed $111,000 difference simply by doing it smarter simply because they listen to you, their debt manager, instead of somebody who's trying to sell them, instead of somebody who's sitting there with a headset, taking calls in and just pumping them out like a factory and just quoting them whatever it is without really trying to help that customer. Even if they were an eighth of a percent cheaper than you, you're gonna change their life. Over 10 years, it would be 250,000. And over the 11 years and 11 months, it's an extra $310,000 plus no more payments for the next 15 years in one month. Now, what if they've got a lovely little three-year-old child? They're worried about their college education. Well, this should more than pay for your kid's college. So I've got your retirement covered. I got your kid's college covered and more. And you haven't changed the monthly payment that you're making. And by the way, I took you from what? From 3% with no MI and put you into 4% with $4,000 in closing costs. Goodness gracious, what happens if they're sitting with 4% now? Maybe they've got MI now and you put them into a three and a quarter percent rate. This number's like $400,000. They're paying off the mortgage in like nine years. Team, this is what you should be working on. Your greatest asset, it's your brain. That's your biggest competitive advantage. It's not your rate, it's your brain. And doing good for people and helping them. And speaking about doing good, it's a true story. My landscaper is a dear friend of mine, friend of my family's for many years. And I could see he was working, but he, you know, I called him man, he just didn't seem like himself. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know, ever since I had Lyme disease and I had to stop and he had, we had a really terrible case of Lyme disease, he fell so far behind on his bills. And he opened up to me, he says, look, I was, I'm, I'm so in debt, I don't know what to do. I make a lot of money, but I'm so far in debt that I can't seem to get out from under. And so I went into the MBS Highway app for the debt consolidation that I've been showing you and I entered everything in and this is actually his debts. And he was paying $27,000 a month in debt. I mean, thank God the guy makes a lot of money, but you know he's, he's like really struggling to make all these payments. And you know, there's no shortage of people that will give you money. You go home today, you're gonna to get three credit card offers today. So pre-approved. So what do we do? We said, okay, well, you have equity in your home. Let's do exactly what I showed you and do a refi. And guess what we saved him? $26,000 a month. Now, we didn't say you're gonna take this $26,000 and spend it. What I said is, okay, here's what you do. We're gonna take $10,000 of it and go ahead and blow that. Go ahead, you go ahead and blow that. But now my daughter, Nicole, who does mortgages, a friend of Gary's as well, friend of the family for a long time. Nicole's gonna build in the remaining $16,000 into the mortgage, you don't have a choice. It's gonna be built in. You're still gonna make $10,000 a month more so you can enjoy yourself. But the other 16,000 were building into the mortgage. And what the result was is Gary's paid his mortgage off in two years and two months is a true story. Now, what's great about the story is that, you know, Gary was over 50 years old, the guy got emotional. His wife completely got emotional. But the best part is when his son came to my house to thank me for changing his family's life, and I didn't even do the mortgage. And so inspired was Garrett that Garrett wanted to come work here. He's one of our one of our sales team now because he wanted to help people change their life as well. It's a great story, guys. You get to do this every single day. The net result for Gary is four hundred sixty-five thousand dollars difference. You get to do stuff like this every single day. That's why I say your greatest asset is your brain, and instead of selling advise, help people, but you can't give what you don't have, which is why it's so wonderful of you to wanna take the time out today to sharpen your skills so that you can be a better asset for others. Now let's talk a little bit about housing because this is so misunderstood. People just assume because home prices have gone up a lot and they have that we're going to see a bubble, is going to be a crash. And you hear it all the time, right? You know, CNBC, two weeks ago, they dedicated an entire day of programming to a housing crash and got everybody scared. So this is very, very, very timely and very important that we understand it. So let's start with something I've, you know, anybody who's watched me speak for the past 15 years, maybe longer, you've seen this chart. And why is this evergreen? And why do we keep looking at different versions of this chart? It's because it works. And, you know, it's so funny because now I see people, you know, starting to, in quotes, discover that demographics is important, right? So I see articles out there right now in our industry, but yes, we've been trying to explain how important this is for a very, very long time. So we take a look at this. This tells you how many people were born in the United States every single year since 1928. And you can see here's your baby boomers. The reason why it's a baby boom is look at all these births, Gen X and then millennials. Well, according to Zillow, the median age of a first time home buyer is 33 years old. So if you take today, and you go back 33 years, today's first time home buyer was born right here, 1987 to 1988. Now what I want you to pay close attention to is look at this explosion in births that occurred after that. And by the way, births never drop beneath the level they were at in 1987. So the amount of first time home buyers that are in the market today, and there's a lot of them, it will be more than this every single year into the future but it's going to really spike over the next three, four five years, because there's an enormous burst that happened in births, which is gonna result in enormous burst of first time home buyers coming to the marketplace. Now, as you probably know, I was very bullish on housing for the last several years, even though a lot of people weren't. But before that, I was also bullish in the early 2000s, until 2006, where we got, bearish on the housing market. And I remember being on CNBC and saying, look, don't take out these interest-only loans. Don't take out the coffee loans. Stay caffeine-free was the, was the whole thing on CNBC. You could pull up the clips. Um, I, I said, you should not be looking at negative AM loans. They're dangerous. And honest to goodness, I got hate mail. I got hate. What do you mean? This is great products. This is I said, no, because the housing market's very vulnerable here. And we called the change in housing. We thought there was going to be a drop. Why? Because in 2006 the median age of a first time home buyer, 33 years old. They were born in 1973, which was right here. And when you see the enormous drop in births that occurred in 1973, we knew that around 2006, 2007, there would not be a lot of buyers coming to the marketplace and look at how births stayed really low. Now, anybody want to even take a guess as to why, by the way, what would happen What happened, I should say, in 1973 that caused births to drop? I'm looking at the chat window, so... um, And I got some other questions I see, so we'll answer those. But um, first, let me ask this question. Anybody want to take a guess why 1973 saw birth rates drop so much? I'll give you the answer. It was because in January of 1973, abortions were legalized. So abortions became legal, birth rates dropped, stayed low for a while before recovering. But 33 years later, you didn't have enough people coming to the market to absorb all the homes. And law of economics is based upon supply and demand. When there's not enough supply, I'm sorry, too much supply, pardon me, not enough demand, you have prices decline. And that's what happened here. Here it is in action. The gold bars here are builders putting up homes. The blue bars here are households being formed. So what's a household formation? Somebody leaves mom and dad, they get their own address, and they turn on the electric in their own name. They formed a household. Well, it was pretty close until 2006, exactly 33 years, the exact age of an average median home buyer after abortion. So abortions are legalized 33 years earlier, and 33 years later, the amount of households formed drops like a rock. But builders did not pay attention to it. Builders produced 2 million homes that year and the next year a million and a half. And it was way too many homes on the marketplace. If you look at this period of time, this is why you had a housing bubble. You had too many homes, not enough people to purchase them. There was a glut of inventory. And this is why you see home prices decline dramatically, but then it leveled off. And if you want to know why the housing market is so hot right now, look no further than this. So what do you see here? You see, The blue line is much bigger than builders are putting up. So people are forming households, much greater clip than builders. Now, do you remember this chart here? And here's where we are, right? What's about to happen? What's the future hold? Let's take a look. This blue line is about to go up, up, up. And builders have not been keeping up. And by the way, do you notice the similarity here? Look, it's beautiful. Households form 33 years later, big drop, flat, move up. (laughs) Big drop, flat, move up. It's a hand in glove because these people were born and they're coming, okay? It's just gonna hit later on as this moves through the snake. We know that builders are not keeping up and it's gonna get tougher for them to keep up. Lumber costs have more than tripled in the last year. Regulation, copper is expensive. So it's difficult to build homes. And then COVID hit builders and that shut down building for four or five months. There's an exact correlation to when the housing market, which was already healthy, already hot, really got on fire because people kept buying, but builders weren't building, it got shut down. So the inventory got really tight. And if you take a look at inventory in general, take a look at this, in 2007, there were 3.7 million homes for sale. So people want to compare this to 2007. Well, you can't. Because today there's a million homes for sale. This is the reason why you can't just look at home prices rising and saying there's going to be a bubble. Let me show it to you differently. In 2007, there were 116 million households. You know, all the people lived in under 116 million roofs. Today, there's 128 million households. So there are 12 million more households, but 3 million fewer homes. This is why prices are going up. It's really not that much of a mystery when you look at it objectively and you look at the data. Now, some people will say this, they'll say, well, forbearance, forbearance is gonna... Okay, so listen, they don't understand forbearance. You understand it. Forbearance is like hitting the pause button on your payments. When you release the pause button, you do not have to make up those payments right away. You don't have to have a bill that's due. It sits like a second mortgage alongside your first mortgage with no interest and no payments. You do have to pay it back when you either sell your home or refinance your home. That's when you have to pay it back. So those are gonna be staggered. They're gonna be all over the place. And what about those people? And by the way, and they've got plenty of equity to make, those, make that difference up. Now, what about the people that go back to making their payments? Is that gonna be a problem? Well, you and I know that a lot of people went into forbearance that didn't need it because when the CARES Act included, it was done hastily wasn't well thought out. and So we know a lot of people game the system, so they're gonna have no problem resuming making their payments. Those that really needed it because they were out of work, so many of them have come back to work, so they're not gonna have a problem. But there still will be a small percentage of people who won't have gotten their jobs back and now have to start making payments. And for them, it might be a bit of a challenge, unfortunately for them, but the thing of it is, this is that now they have equity to protect, so they're going to have an incentive to figure out whatever they can do to make the payments. And if they can't, well, they'll sell their home. They'll probably make a profit, protect that equity, and they'll sell their home quickly. And as far as the additional inventory coming on the market, I mean, it's kind of like like taking a water can and sprinkling water on the desert. It's not going to make a difference. There's no inventory, so these influx of people that might put some inventory on the market, it's not gonna make a difference. The inventory will be absorbed. Let's take a look at the current equity position. 95% of all homes in the United States are below a 90 LTV, 95%. 87% are below an 80 LTV. 37% have no mortgage at all. In 2009, 26% of homes were well above a 100 LTV, very different. In 2007, the average equity in a home was 37%. Today, it's 68% equity in a home. That's incredible. Appreciation, amortization. Okay, so what's the other argument? Affordability, it's not affordable. Well, the median home price is up 17% and hourly earnings are up 4% only. It doesn't make sense. And as Diana Olick, who has been wrong for nine years, because, you know, all Diana Olick does is talk about how terrible the housing market is and try and scare people for the last nine years. She says, it's unsustainable. And pretty much everything you get out of Adam data says housing is miles away from being affordable. This is two weeks ago, they we put this out there. Diana, Olak, look unsustainable. Why? Because the median home price is up 17% and earnings are up four. Well, remember in math class what median means? It means half the sales above that number, half the sales below that number. Now, why are there more sales on the upper end? Well, because that's where there's more inventory. So it's gonna skew that number higher. It doesn't mean that that's appreciation. When you look at real appreciation, Home values rising on average in the United States, they're up significantly, they're up 12%. So it's not 17, but it's still pretty big and it's a lot bigger than 4% hourly earnings. But looking at hourly earnings is a fool's game. Why? Because you can work more or less hours. If you wanna know the change of what people are making, you look at weekly earnings because that contemplates if they're working more or less hours. And weekly earnings in the United States, well, they're up 7%. So while this is a lot closer than this, somebody might still say, well, that doesn't look sustainable. It looks like housing's not affordable and maybe miles away from being that way. This is where math comes in. And let's understand the concept. And this is going to be a really important one for you to understand. You may want to write this down so you can explain it to your realtor and your client. A year ago, somebody wanted to buy a home and the monthly payment for P&I only was $1,000 a month. Well, your income would have probably had to be about $5,000 a month, I'm using round numbers here, to qualify for that $1,000 P&I payment. They didn't buy the house last year because they listened to Diana Oleg saying how bad it is. Now this year they wanna buy that home and it comes back on the market, but this time it's more expensive because home values have gone up 12%. So if interest rates stayed about the same, now they're actually cheaper than they are right now, but let's assume interest rates are a little higher. Let's say they're, they're 3/8 of a percent higher to be exactly where they were last year, then the monthly payment would be $11.20 a month to reflect the 12% rise. The monthly payment would be 12% higher than where it was a year ago, which is $120 a month increase. So you might argue and say, well, it's less affordable, right? But what about if your income went up? See, if your income went up $120 a month, then it's the same affordability as it was last year. This payment, to this income a year ago is the same as this payment to this income today. Now, how much of an increase is this $120 a month? It's sure not 12%, it's how much? It's 2.4%. So please understand this, that a 2.4% increase in income, if interest rates stay the same, can handle a 12% rise in appreciation. We're seeing incomes go up year over year 7% right now. Now, we hope we don't get a 35% rise in appreciation, but if interest rates stay the same, theoretically, it would not negatively impact affordability. Now, we hope that this actually calms down a little bit from 12% because that is really hot. So we'd like to see that slow down some, but affordability is not a problem. So can prices continue to rise? I wanna introduce a concept to you that very few people have ever thought about but I think that it would make you really on the cutting edge of, of being a critical thinker here. If you could understand this process, price escalation can come at the expense of the home ownership rate, not a decline in prices. The home ownership rate in the United States is 66%. So what the heck has gone on in California? We know it's not cheap there. Some of you that are in California, you know how expensive it is, but how do home prices keep going up? Well, If you know what the home ownership rate in California is, it's not 66%, it's 55%. So what has happened is that California has compensated for home ownership being more expensive by less people being able to purchase those homes. But here's the secret, a 55% home ownership rate, those 55% of people is much more than the supply of homes. So the remaining 55% still overwhelms the available supply. It's this 55% represents more demand than the supply that's there that creates more price appreciation. It's really important to understand this team because people wonder what's going on here. Can prices continue to go up? And they can for a while, so long as the population increases at a rate greater than the availability of homes. And as I showed you before, that appears to be the case. So is this a good time to buy? Well, rates are gonna remain favorable. They're gonna go up, but they're still favorable. Our forecast, and you know, you might know this, but I have won the crystal ball award the last two years and three out of the last five years from Zillow and Pulsonomics for being the most accurate real estate forecaster. This is out of 150 of the top economists in the United States, but who knows if we'll win it this year. My forecast for this year is appreciation in the United States. I might actually be a little light on that, but let's just take 8%. 8% appreciation in 2021, what does that mean? If a customer purchased a home hypothetically for $100,000 and their down payment was 10%, they put $10,000 down. That's their down payment, that's their investment. If the home went up 8%, they would have an $8,000 profit. So an $8,000 profit on a $10,000 investment is an 80% return. This is really important to understand team because look again, your biggest investments, your brain, right? And understanding these things, this is what your customer needs to understand because your competitors don't get this. The real estate agent probably is not equipped to explain this. So this is where you come in and you really help them and make a difference. So team, what I want you to understand is now somebody's going to say, but what about the monthly payments? Well, you got to make a monthly payment if you're renting too, right? So you're not going to rent for free. You know, maybe you can argue if you're living with mom and dad, okay, but if you're gonna rent or you're gonna own uh, an 8% rate of of return on the home is not 8%. It could be depending on the amount of down payment, 80% if you put down 10%. So here's the big question. How do we deal with 45% of transactions today have bids, that are above asking price in multiple bids. 65% have multiple offers, not all of them above asking price, but you can be multiple offers above asking price in almost half of the transactions that are out. There this is a big problem, but you have the ability to have a huge solution. You could be that wonderful champion that saves the day for the real estate agent and for the customer by helping them. So let's take a real life example a tool that we have called the bid over ask tool. So you put in your, your um, MLS number and it'll pull all the data. When you pull all the data and you see that the current asking price, let's call it 900,000. But in order to win this home, you got to come in $40,000 over asking price. Now look, I, I know that sometimes you have to come at more. I know sometimes it's crazy, but I'm just using a real life example here. And let's face it, $40,000 above asking price. That's a lot. So I'm going to offer 940 on this home, which I don't want to do, but The question that people don't realize they should ask, the real question here that we have to teach them is that what's the home worth today? And when we pull up an AVM, which we have available for you, it's $912,000. They're gonna offer 940. If they win this bid at 940, they're paying $28,000 more than the home's worth. So the question they should be asking is when, based upon this zip code, 91901, when will the value of the home that they're purchasing come in higher than the 940 that they're offering? In other words, when will they be positive in this trade? And we'll give you that answer. The answer is they'll break even in this particular case four months. And over the next five years, this home's gonna appreciate 349,000 and our AVM accuracy in this case is 91%. So they should move forward and they did move forward to buy this home. But what if this said, instead of four months, four years or six years. Is that a good deal? Well, maybe not. I probably wouldn't do it if it took six years to break even on the home because then you're sucking out all this appreciation that you would have had. So what you really want to try and do is you really wanna try and understand what are the circumstances and this tool allows you to do it. Now look, I also realize it's not easy. Because in many circumstances, they want to do it, but where are they going to come up with the money for it? And it could change the LTV. They have to come up with additional cash. They have to come up with additional down payment. They may have to have MI. I get all that. These are all heartburn issues that we are looking at today in this crazy environment. Yeah, and by the way, waive the appraisal, waive the inspection. I get it. I know. I understand what you're going through, which is why it's very important for us to look at creating some money for them. And I mean that. We can create money. And this is going to give you a huge advantage because none of these fintech companies can do it. Your competition doesn't know how to do it. But let's get creative here. So somebody's looking at a $400,000 loan. Let's just say 30-year fixed rate, 3%, and the payment's $1,686. But now they want to offer above asking price. And maybe they don't have all the money or they might have to have some MI. So let's try and figure out something here. So let's increase the rate from 3% Three and three eighths. That's right. Take a higher rate while everybody's looking for the lower, take the higher rate, and now you get a borrower credit towards closing costs of six thousand dollars. That's six thousand dollars less cash they have to come up with that they can now bid on the home. And maybe it eliminates MI or reduces the MI. Their new payment is 1768. So, yeah, it costs them more, it costs them $82 a month more. But that's versus the $6,000 in cash. And what if they didn't have the $6,000 in one the home? But if they could afford the 82 bucks a month more, at least you give them a chance to win this home. But your competition's not thinking about this. And this is just the type of creative thinking. Will it work every time? Of course not. But what if you got an extra one out of three or one out of four transactions because of it? And then you get that realtor for life. You put yourself in the front of their mind because you're a problem solver. Because you're an advisor. You can also potentially avoid MI or increasing MI cost by using this strategy. People are using this every day and they're telling us on our tool, you know, got them to go 10K over asking before they they were lowballing everything. This guy saved a transaction that was going to cancel. They were going to cancel it. But now they're going forward, they're going up. We're we're not gonna cancel the contract because they use this tool. Here's another one, the past two weeks gotten eight pre-approvals and four purchase contracts. And I love this. Two realtors reached out to me and said, another agent in my office works with you. I'd like to have coffee and talk about how we can work together. One of them had an in-house preferred lender. I mean, these are the types of situations you want. When you have the gold, everybody wants you. And you have the ability to turn these market circumstances into gold for you, You, what are you doing on your day-to-day? Are you just going about business as if it's the same, or are you looking at all the points of friction out there and saying, I wanna be that woman, that man that resolves those so everybody decides to work with me? And by the way, we've got an MB estimate, which works like Zillow's estimate, except we don't pixel you. What does pixel mean? When when you go to shop for shoes, clothes, household goods, cars, you ever notice that when you surf the web, you see that exact item you were shopping for gets now repurposed and you get ads for that? Well, you were pixeled. We've all been. Except when you have a customer that goes to Zillow and Zillow pixels them, they're going to get bombarded with ads from competing mortgage professionals and realtors to take your business away from you, which is why you want to keep them off there. Use an MBS Highway, use our MBS estimate, you can create great reports that are co-branded. You wanna take it a step further, put it on your website or co-brand it and put it on your Realtor's website. You wanna talk about owning the relationship and then it generates traffic to the Realtor's website because now everybody wants to know the value of their home. Zillow built their company based upon this estimate. Why shouldn't you or your Realtor have it on your website? It seems too simple to me. And the other thing that we're seeing today, what's another point of friction? Discouraged buyers. What's a discouraged buyer? I've looked for homes for three to four different weekends. I can't find anything yet. So I'm just going to throw in the towel and I'm going to give up. Now, the realtor feels very bad about that because the realtor wasted all that time. And if they think they're going to come back in six months and they think things are going to be better, they're not, which is why you look at the cost of waiting analysis, which shows you if you waited six months, a year, two, how much more it's going to cost you to wait. You sure you want to wait or you want to stay engaged? Or do you want to offer a little bit more and win the home now? And you also have to get your message out there on social media now everybody will tell you from Gary V on down you got to do video you got to, so the mortgage professionals gets their phone they get the camera they point it out there I go uh hi you know so wh- what do you say what do you do well we make it easy for you we give you scripts and it's about 30 40 50 seconds long each one and we turn your computer or your phone into a teleprompter it looks like you're looking at the camera We give you the script, it scrolls at your speed. You could change it. The font size, you can make it smaller or larger. So you get to do this. And when you know, you 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 could take as many times as you need to do it. But when you get it, one click, and then you can post it on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on on Instagram, whatever you want to post it on Facebook. Now you've got real good social media content that's going to get shared, that's going to get hit, and you're going to get a ton of leads from this. This is just too easy. It's it's too easy. If you want to be successful, just think out of the box. And MBS Highway is really, that's our trademark is to try and do that for you. And every morning we start you off with a video that will give you five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. So you don't have to spend four hours to try and cipher through everything that's going on. And you'll know, should I be locking, floating, why? What advice do I give my customer? What do I advice do I give my realtors? When I get on the phone with people, how do I win more transactions by sounding smarter? And then there's a real estate report card, which everybody wants to know. What is the report card for my zip code? And we give you that with what the appreciation will be, what the rates are what, of, of appreciation, what the supply and demand is gonna be because we got all the builder data for your zip code. We give you everything. And then I showed you the debt consolidation tool. I mean, that's an absolute home run. You know, one of the, one of the fairway teammates, they wrote us back and they said they did 37 transactions in one month, 30 days. Just by using this tool, you, know, you think about how much money that is, and then of course the cost of waiting is a very powerful tool that will show you how much more it will cost you to wait. In addition to that, the Biverse Rent tool is nothing like this. There's nothing you, know, you think about. Buy, there's nothing that has the data that we have that makes it as easy. That it makes it as simple. You know, you put an MLS number, or you put an address. We know the zip code. We know the taxes for there. We know the insurance for there. We know the repair costs for there. We will put that in for you. There's nothing like this tool that will help you win more transactions. And then you give your customer six different mortgage options, their head spinning. You think they really get it. You think they really understand it. You know what they really just wanna know? What's the best loan for me? Well, you know what the answer is? Potentially they're all the best loan for you. The variable that I need is time, which is why it was shocking to me that nobody thought of this in the past. Why don't you put it along a timeline and show them? Well, if you're here between one and three years, it's this program. Between three and six years, it's this program. After six years, it's this. And now the customer finally says, oh, when I talk to you, Mr. and Ms. Mortgage Professional, I get it, I understand you. So that's why I'm going to work with you and I'm gonna tell everybody I know to work with you because I understand you. You talk the language that makes me understand it. Your biggest asset is your brain and your best tool is your words and articulating that. And by using illustrations like that, your words are understood. Hey, and I, Barry, I want
0: to make a comment too about uh, signing up for MBS and he didn't pay me to say this just so you know uh, but I looked at an analysis of people who are using MBS Highway and their uh, concession requests so for our broker partners uh, it also makes you not only you know money in the streets right but money in the bank uh, utilizing this because you'll uh, as you're helping the borrower, like you were talking about, Barry, you can uh, stay rock solid on that rate that you're going for because you're educating them. You're becoming more effective. So just wanted to share that. I saw some stats on that uh, this morning and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool.
3: Uh, thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh,
0: yeah. Holly, Al, any questions for Barry and we'll wrap it up. And my goodness, again, me becoming that mortgage uh, advisor with the debt consolidation and what happened with your land.
3: Let me just finish for one minute here. I was just gonna say that there was an independent yeah. survey done just to underscore your point. In the first 90 days at MBS Highway, people made $35,000 more in the first 90 days. That's an independent survey monkey survey. Uh, team, uh, if look you Look at uh,
0: that timing, I didn't even know. I
3: know, right, isn't that crazy? So team, <laughs> listen, uh, I think that you need to be focusing, working on your business right now, as well as working in your business. Um, it's, it's changing your focus is really important. You know, when you think about in 1955, McDonald's was a great burger shop, but until Ray Kroc came and told them to work on their business instead of in their business, they didn't become an empire. Um, if you're interested in CMA, Certified Mortgage Advisor, uh, this is something that is being very, very widely used now in the mortgage industry, and it's making a very big difference in people. Uh, it's normally 2000 bucks, but because of this, if you go to become CMA, put in the FW for Fairway uh, code there, it's 1597, so we'll save you 400 bucks. Or you can always just email Christine at MBS Highway and she'll do that. Now, MBS Highway is normally 200 bucks a month, but thanks to the Fairway discount, it's 119 a month. Annually, it's 2000 bucks, or you can save even more money at 1199 annually. If you wanted to do that, Christine at MBS Highway or go to mbshighway.com and the code is FW for Fairway to save 80 bucks a month or 800 bucks a year. We offer that to you today. Now, if you said, I wanna do both, You go to mbshighway.com and just put in all fairway. And what we'll do is we'll save even more money instead of spending for MBS highway and CMA, we'll save you $1,600. That'll be $2,400 for both. It's a worthwhile investment. Thank you, Sarah, for letting me just go through that real quick. Appreciate. Oh, no,
0: that's great. Holly, Al, you want to wrap us up? And this was, this was fantastic. Hopefully uh, all our broker partners got a ton out of it. And it's going to help you to gain one or two, three more transactions in the next 24, 48 hours.
1: Yeah. So we, have a do, we do have a couple of questions in the chat. I know we're a little bit over, but I want to run through those quickly. If the current administration puts through another stimulus plan in the fall, that would keep higher inflation beyond 2022, 2023. What are your thoughts?
3: So here's the thing is that the way that this differs is that this would be a three, I'm sorry, this would be a 10 year uh, plan of stimulus. So let's just say if the stimulus is a very big number, and, and I know that there's debate going on, is it going to be 600 billion? Is it going to be 2 trillion? So this horse trading, but let's just call it, let's just say if it's a trillion dollars, the trillion dollars, it's not in one shot, like all the other stimulus has been, it is over 10 years. So it's a hundred billion dollars a year for 10 years, which wouldn't cause The same impact like we're seeing today.
1: All right, we have one, no, we have two more. What do you see the impact on rates in the economy of Biden's proposal to increase the tax rate on long-term cap gains?
3: Well, you you know, um, I'm not a fan of raising taxes when the economy is struggling. I, I don't see that as a as a solution, I mean, look, I, I don't want to get political, so don't, don't, don't. I'm just giving you my honest opinion. I don't think raising taxes is a, is a good idea uh, when you're in this stage of a recovery, um, and, it, and it also could impact people in housing because remember, the first two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is free if you're single on appreciation, or five hundred thousand dollars if you're married. And that used to be pretty lofty, but what if you've been in your house for a while and your home has appreciated for a lot more than that? Uh, What might happen here is that you now could put yourself into a position where you might be rushed into selling your home before the end of this year, or you don't wanna sell your home because now you're gonna be in a situation where there's a lot of money in tax that you have to fork over that might cause you to to change your opinion on that, because remember the tax rate's gonna go up by 20% on capital gains. I I don't think that it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be something where uh, it's going to be a good thing for housing or the financial markets in the long run, but this is just my opinion.
1: All right, last one, and then I'll let Al wrap it up for us. As we move into a new market, what are your thoughts on the new push for banks to offer CRA for low to moderate income census tracts? Will this be an option for independent mortgage banks and brokers?
3: Okay, so this is probably not. I'm not the best person to answer this question. So this is not really in my in my wheelhouse, uh, you know. It, and it all depends on the market that you're into. You know, it depends on where you are and the circumstances there.
1: Got it. All right, and I think that is it. So Al, do you want to wrap us up?
2: Yeah, uh, Barry. Thanks for your time this afternoon. As we mentioned. Um, you know, a lot of value, a lot of value in the knowledge that's provided. But, uh you know, just I, I saw you talk about a lot of this stuff uh, to the to the fairway family not too long ago. Seeing it a second time, I, I, I honed in on tools. Uh The value is one thing or sorry, the knowledge is one thing. And some of the nuggets that you shared with us as far as your thoughts on refis, rising interest rate environment, the housing inventory, the whole nine yards, just walking us through that. But the tools you know, to really apply and, and use that as Sarah mentioned capture an additional one, two, three loans a month. That's where this, this value is turned in. And, and you know, your investment today of, of a, a little over an hour you know, turns into a positive investment. Um, thank you again, Barry, uh, love having you on, love hearing uh, from you, the perspective that you share the slant to our industry, keeping all of these loan originators in the know, you know, and, and it really is a differentiator in the marketplace. Uh, I'll close in saying uh, we value the relationships. Uh, second podcast, we want to keep providing value, so we want to hear from you. Uh, what's next? You know, maybe some of our internal credit risk folks uh, having you know, a little Q&A with you, um, but it's really all about providing value and, and knowledge to our broker partners. Uh, we appreciate you. You're the lifeline of our business. Thank you for, t- for your time this afternoon. Great day.
3: I, I, I want to say goodbye, too. And I want to thank Sarah and, and Ray and Steve, Holly, and, and Al for just doing such a great job. I know where your heart is and how much you care about the broker relationships. And I, I, I was a broker when I was originating loans, well, So I know what it's like. I think that you guys are are, are just doing such an incredible job and, and providing, trying to provide continued value for your brokers above and beyond just, just great service. So thanks for doing a great job. And for those of you that took your time today, thanks for, for joining us.
0: Thank you, Barry. We love you. Take care. Love you too. Take care, everyone.